you believe for it this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's wonderful to be here, be in his presence. Amen. You love the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just talk to him for a minute. Father, what a wonderful day we have before us. Lord, that the redeemed of the Lord can stand in his presence this morning. God, and just know that we serve a loving God. Lord, your hand of mercy has been extended to our lives and we've seen, Lord, and we have felt your presence, God, and we have witnessed today the supernatural, Lord, that there is a living God in Laodicea and he's very visible among his people, Lord, and we're so thankful today that we have been called, we have been chosen, we have been anointed, and we have been placed for this opportunity. God, I just ask this morning you'll open up the eyes that we can see, Lord. Open up our ears this morning that we can hear what the Spirit would speak. And Lord, I just pray you'd open these, my, my mouth, Lord, to speak the things that would edify your body, Lord, and shut my mouth to things that are of man, Father. We just, Lord, just give this day to you today. We want to worship you right now, Father, as the word would go forth. God, may we not only just be in the, the giving of the word, but may we worship as we receive the word, Father. So we just pray, Lord, there to be a connection made this morning. Lord, in our faith to be elevated, God, for whatever situation we're facing, God, may you just speak expressly. Move the immovable this morning, Lord. Break the unbreakable, Father. For we know that with God, all things are possible. So we just commit this day to you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning. As you're standing, I'm just going to want to... Greet all the mothers and say happy Mother's Day to you all. And just have a quote here that I'd like to read. Brother Bram says, you know, Mother's Day should be every day. Mothers should be saying amen, right? I got Brother Derek, amen in the word. It should be every day, not to send her a bunch of flowers on Mother's Day, but to love her and to care for her 365 days, nights through the year. He says, your mother, if you want to do something for her, do it 365 days a year. Go to her house and offer prayer and, and live for God. That's, that's the thing to do. And bring up your children. And when your children come up, they will call you blessed after you have passed on beyond the veil. That's the real spirit of motherhood, the real spirit of Mother's Day. Mother's Day is 365 days a year. So we are, as the church of the living God, we are blessed to have such godly mothers and godly examples in our lives and our churches so we just, uh, we say happy Mother's Day to you this morning. We have a special birthday. I'm not going, we're not going to sing happy birthday. We quit that a long time ago. But Joseph has turned 17 today and he has grown up to be a, a good looking, godly young man. And I thank the Lord for him and his testimony in his life. So happy birthday, son. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look here in Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse 1. And I want to speak to you this morning on God does impossible math. Now this is part 15 but I want to, my subtopic would be nothing will stand before your prayer. Amen. And Wednesday night, by the grace of God, I'm going to speak on not even cancer. So this is kind of a two-part series, but we're going to start here and build it. Uh, it says Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Notice now, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. 
Notice now, by which he obtained witness that he was righteousness. His faith gave him the, the, the witness that he was righteous. And by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Uh, for before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not, not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Notice faith saved his house. By which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, he obeyed. He went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and as the sandwiches in the, by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. God bless you. You can have your seats this morning. <clears throat> many times when we read the scriptures, I don't know if I say many times, maybe it's just me, but sometimes we think when we read about the men and the women of the Bible, we, we kind of get it in our minds that they're superhuman beings, right? Like their time was, it was so much easier back in that day than it is this day. And somehow we feel like, you know, today it's much tougher, but you know, that's not the case. They were just as human as you and I are today. They had their ups, they had their downs. You know, many of them got sick. Many of them woke up with backaches. Many of them had headaches. Many of them faced arthritis. Many of them faced the same things that we face today. They had their ups, they had their downs, they had their disappointments. But we look here in Hebrews 11 in the scripture reading here as we recall this is the hall of faith it doesn't mention anything about their mistakes it doesn't mention anything about their failures it doesn't mention anything about their disappointments see they like us had their share of disappointments they had their share of their failures they had their own struggles they had their own hardships but the bible said that each of them died in faith See, it doesn't say that they died faithless, but they died in faith. It doesn't say that their trial was too much for them. It doesn't say that they were overcome by their situation. It said that they died believing. They died trusting. They died fully persuaded on the promise so much that they embraced the promise, and yet the promise still lay before them. And we find they were just only... Uh, exemplifying the believer that's here today in this age. And I ask you, when, when we take our last, last breath, I want you to know God is not going to be looking at your failures. And the house of God should have just erupted right then. God's not going to be looking at your failures. He's not going to be looking at the struggles that you've gone through. He's not going to be looking at the times where your humanity got in the way. 
No, but when you take your last breath, God is going to be looking for one thing. Did they have faith? Did they believe me? Did they take me at my word? Did they believe what I would do, what I said I would do? And because that's what God is looking for in Laodicea. He's looking for somebody that will have faith. Somebody that will believe no matter what they're facing. Some young boy that's going to have faith in the promise of God. That, yeah, I can overcome. Yeah, I can receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah, healing is my portion somebody's here this morning that's going to believe I know it's Mother's Day but what better day to give homage to the mother than believing that there's sons and daughters here right now that are believing God and knowing that nothing will stand before your prayer notice Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says now faith is faith is not will be or may be but faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And the word faith here is the assurance. Can we get an amen on that? It's the assurance. That's all you need to know is faith is the assurance. And the word here says that it is, so faith is the assurance and faith is the substance and the word substance means foundation. So it's a sure foundation. It's the assurance. It's the foundation. And the word evidence is proof. So not only do you have the assurance because it's built on a firm foundation, but the believer has proof as well that whatsoever things they desire when they pray, if they ask it in the name of Jesus, then they shall have whatsoever they desire. See, see, faith is not something that you work yourself up to. A lot of times we feel like we've got to get our faith worked up, right? We come in, we want to be cheerleaded a little bit. You know, the right song specials, the right song. It's got to be fast, you know, or it's got to be moving in this, that, and the other. But faith is something that you have. Brother Bam says, now faith being the substance, he says, and in there we find out in Hebrews what faith was and what those who did it had faith. He says, there's many times that people have faith today, and guess what? Tomorrow they haven't got it. Have you ran across anybody like that? Better yet, have you been somebody like that? Hey, there's many times that people have faith today and tomorrow they haven't got it. The next day there's something and then there's something else. But, want, but when God once anchors it and you see it, there's nothing ever going to move you from it. So when God anchors that into your heart, like he did for Sister Lana back there some years ago, when it anchored in her heart, there wasn't a devil in hell. There wasn't a cancer that could stand there because something anchored in her heart and she saw, look, she didn't see the pet scan report, but she saw a healer. And when she went running around the church, what was it? God manifested himself to her because faith took a hold. Faith anchored in the heart of a believer and there wasn't a devil in hell could talk out of it. It's the same thing for us in our daily walk. Brother Bama said, now we have five senses. See, taste, smell, smelling, uh, smell, and hear. But these five senses are only to contact the human body. They're not the sixth sense. He says, faith is the sixth sense known to some people. They want to call it mental telepathy. He's But faith is the only direct and positive sense. But we're human, so all we think about is what we see, what we smell, what we hear. How's it feel? How's it taste? And a lot of times, that's all that we can comprehend because of our humanity. But the prophet of God said, faith is the only more direct and more positive than what you're looking at right now. 
It's more direct and more positive than what you're hearing right now. Faith is the sixth sense. Faith is more than sight. Faith is more than feeling. You don't feel faith. You don't taste faith. You don't smell faith. You don't see faith. Faith is the substance. It's the foundation of things hoped for. And the evidence is the proof that the believer is holding true to God's word. And it's the proof of things not yet seen. Now, as we dig into this, Romans 12 and verse 3. Sometimes we wonder, well, do I have faith? How many have ever asked that question? Well, the Bible tells us that we all have faith. So for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, accordingly, or according, as God had dealt to every man a measure of faith. So every man, woman, boy, girl, child, in this audience this morning, those on the stream, each of you this morning, you do have faith. Brother Bam says, I know there's many of us that don't have faith. I don't have faith to make all the promises come true, to come to pass. But I sure wouldn't stand in the way of somebody that did have that kind of faith. As I've often said, I wish I had the faith enough Faith like Enoch to take a little afternoon walk and go up home with him. I wish I could have that kind of faith. How many would like that kind of faith? Well, you got that kind of faith. He says, but we believe there's coming a time when there will be an afternoon or a morning walk for some kind. And there will be a many on earth that will be caught away in the rapture at the coming of the Lord. I believe we're nearing that time. Now notice, he has given every man a measure of faith. So within your heart this morning, you possess the faith of the rapture. Whether you feel like it, whether you see it, whether you hear it or not, it doesn't matter. The word of God remains true. He has dealt to every man a measure of faith. So I will rejoice right now, no matter what I'm going through, no matter my struggles, no matter my situation. Right now, I'm a possessor of the rapture. Right now, I'm a possessor of a body change. Right now, I got the faith that I need to overcome the trial that I'm in. So he's given every man a measure of faith. So there's not one of us sitting here this morning that lacks faith. We all have it. Now, some have greater faith than others. Others have less faith than others or than some. But we all have faith. Now, this is going to shock you for a minute. But do you believe that even an atheist has faith? To be an atheist, this is what you got to believe. You got to have more faith to believe as an atheist does than we do as believers. Because you had to believe that nothing produced everything. Nothing produced everything that we see, that we feel, that we have today in our society. Nothing did all this. My, 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 my. I'll just stay with the word of God. It's a lot easier to believe it. But to be an atheist, you've got to believe that non-life produced life. Oh, my. Imagine that one. Non-life produced life. That randomness produced precision. That chaos produced order. I'm sorry. I'm just going to stick with the Bible. So, but everybody has to have faith. And even the atheists, those that deny God, have faith in what they believe. And you know what? They have more faith than you and I. See, faith is something, Brother Bam says, faith is something that you have. Now, if I was starving this morning, 
And you can tell by the grace of God I'm not. I've not gone hungry. But if I was starving this morning and a loaf of bread would save my life and the purchase of the loaf of bread is 25 cents and somebody gave me 25 cents, he says, I can just, he goes, I can just be as happy as I got the 25 cents as if I had the loaf of bread. Because what is the 25 cents? The 25 cents is the purchase power of the loaf of bread. So if I was starving, I was down to my last meal, I knew if I didn't get some need, I was going to die. And Brother Aaron gave me 25 cents. I just start dancing right then. I start making my way down to the store right then. It doesn't matter if they didn't open up tomorrow or the next day. If I was weak, I had in my hand a purchase power. And I want you to know today, church, you have in your hand the purchase power. Whatever your need is, you've got the 25 cents this morning. It's called faith. You've got the purchase power right now. See, if you got the 20, some of, our, 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 some of us today, we have the loaf of bread. Sister Atlanta had a loaf of bread. Sister Mariah had a loaf of bread. Brother David Dexter, loaf of bread. Little Drew, loaf of bread. Different ones, loaf of bread. But some of you, many of you got 25 cents. Many of you got 25 cents this morning. 25 cents can't do much. It'll keep you alive. It'll keep you alive. See, as long as you got the purchase power, you'll not starve. As long as you got the purchase power, you'll get well. As long as you got the 25 cents, you'll be delivered. As long as you got the 25 cents, you will overcome. As long as you got the purchase power, you can receive the Holy Ghost. As long as you got the purchase power, you will go in a rapture. For as long as you got the purchase power. And each of you right now in your possession have or has the purchase power. See, faith, with it, we can do all things. But without faith, we can do nothing. And with faith, there's nothing impossible to them that believe. And God has dealt every man in this building this morning the purchase power. Notice God equipped you with exactly what you have need of so that you couldn't say, well, he didn't give me what I needed. And you fail. No, he gave you what you need. He knew what it was going to take to overcome Laodicea. So God, by his mercy and his grace, placed it in your heart. Even when you don't feel like you have the faith, he's already dealt you a measure of faith. And Brother Bram will say, now, notice now, it's not a myth talking about faith. Faith is not a myth. It's not an imagination. It's a substance. And anything that's a substance isn't a myth. It's something that you actually have got a hold of. It's now... He goes, there are some people that fail to get this. They have hope instead of faith. You find some people, Brother Aaron can testify, we come and you deal with them in a prayer line, and they have hope. And they have hope. Their confession is all wrong. Well, I, I, I hope God will do this. Or I hope God, I, I, I'm begging God, please, Mr. God, do this for me. And that ain't the way you come to God. You come by faith, not by hope. He goes, you hope that you will or you're, you, know, you have some kind of imaginary faith because that you feel that you've appropriated that. He goes, but when actually you got a hold of faith, it's a substance. It's something that's real. Then you hold that and that is what brings it. You hold that faith. So now, first part, we got everybody here has faith, right? Yeah. Can I get a show of hands? This is going to be, I'm teaching this morning. Brother Aaron's smirking. So now we all realize we got faith. Now, how do we grow our faith? 
Anybody want to know that answer? Some of you look like you done sat on a log and had a bad day this morning. I'm just going to look past y'all. He says, now I love this. This is in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure. That is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased. So, your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to the rule of abundancy. So, we find then that in the scriptures we all have faith. But not only do we have faith, but our faith can be increased. So now, I go to the gym. Brother Johnny, I would have him stand up and take his jacket off. And you'd see these big pythons of arms on the man's. And, and, but, you know, he didn't get that. He didn't just was born with that kind of physique and them kind of muscles. He worked at it. And I go to the gym. I got genetics working against me, you know. But I go to the gym every day. And I'm in there for an hour about every day. And, you know, and I want to get these great big muscles. And I want to try to get defined. So my wife will love what she's look what she has. You know, you, you just, hey, yes, keep doing what you're doing. Go to the gym. Spend all that time. But we think about when it comes to our faith muscles, how do we get great big faith muscles? Brother Brown said faith has great big muscles and a hairy chest. But you don't go there. You don't get those great big faith muscles, Brother Aaron, by not going to the gym. No, we go to the gym and you learn what foods to eat that's going to help your muscles grow. You learn what exercises to do to help your muscles reach the maximum potential. You do all these things. You don't do it once. You do it day after day after day after day, hour after hour after hour. And that's the same thing that happens with your faith. You want to find great big faith muscles. You want your faith to be increased. Then you got to go to the gym of life called trials and tribulations where God will take you from one test to the another test and it remain faithful in this test and your faith will increase to the next test on to the next test and when you face these little simple things God will bring it to a great big trial and it may be for your healing of your body but yet God remains faithful and he's given you great big faith muscles and your faith is increasing when sister Lana got healed sister Mariah got healed what did it do for our church the faith of this church elevated it elevated. All of us stepped up. Our muscles grew. We knew right then if God could do that for Sister Lana, if God could do that for Sister Mariah, if God could do that for Brother David, if God could do that for little Drew, what could God do for us? Oh, God, let our faith muscles grow this morning. Notice now, we can have faith for the healing of the body. We can have faith for the direction of a job. We can have faith from deliverance of a tormenting spirit. And God intends for our muscles, our faith muscles to grow. But how do they grow? See, God says in his word, he's looking for one thing. When the son of man returns, he's looking for one thing. He's not looking for all your accolades. He's not looking for how many souls you won. He's not looking for how many trips you took overseas. He's not looking for how many, how many times you preached the gospel. He's not looking for those things. He's looking for one thing. Shall the Son of Man find faith? Faith for your own personal struggle. Faith for your own personal healing. Will you find, will he find faith? Will he find a young man that'll lay it all down and go uh, and turn his, uh, his back uh, from the things of the world and give his heart solely committed to God? Will he find a young woman who'll give it all up knowing that the devil would love to take her and just use her for a billboard of his own glory? But God has got a hold of that heart 
and she's turned it all down to be a love slave to him. He's looking for somebody that'll occupy faith. So now, he's looking for somebody. God is looking for faith. He's looking for a man, a woman, a boy, a girl that'll believe. God doesn't want your faith to diminish. He doesn't want your faith to wither up. He doesn't want you to get to a place where you you can hardly ever believe for anything. He wants you to believe. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to obey him. He wants you to have confidence in his word. And not only that, but in the direction that he has for your life. I said it once before and I'll say it again. God has jurisdiction over your life, not the devil. God does. Jurisdiction, rulership. Leadership, guidance over every one of our... Sometimes it looks like our life is in chaos, doesn't it? Like every day you wake up is like another trouble. But I want you to know God is in control. God has jurisdiction. God knows what he's doing. And God, because God knew these things that you would come to, he planted inside that little heart of yours faith. And faith comes by hearing. We find here in Romans 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice what you got to feed on. So we have been provided in our day over 1,200 sermons. There's no reason, no excuse for you to say, I can't be fed. I don't have faith. Or my faith is weak. My faith isn't much. You got 1,200 sermons. And not only that, God ordained in his scripture, in the word, that he's given some apostles, preachers, teachers, evangelists, and missionaries. He's given a five-fold ministry for what? For the edifying of the church. For the building up of the body. See, it's imperative that we are feeding on the right things. It's imperative that we are hearing the right things. We don't need to be, you know, for our faith to increase. And we got to make sure that we're feeding on the things that would increase our faith and not deplete our faith. You find a difficult situation, you're in a battle. Last thing you want to do is go surround yourself with negative people. Right? Say you got cancer this morning. Last thing you want to do is go find a bunch of negative Nancys. Excuse me, Sister Nancy. That's just a phrase. You know, I'm not, oh my, I better just keep on preaching. She'll shut down on me and I'll be digging out of this whole rest of the service. But the last thing you want to do is, is, is surround yourself with negative people and negativity. See, negativity breeds doubt and unbelief. And you can never rise up and take the promise with a negative confession. Okay, doubt and unbelief will not only, what will it do? It will only hold the promise out here a little bit longer. A little bit longer. It's like a carrot on the end of a stick. You know how to get a donkey to move? You put a carrot on the end of a stick and you just hang it in front of him. He's going to go wherever that carrot moves. He never gets to taste it, and all he gets to do is smell it. And a lot of times, that's what faith, in, or not faith, that's what doubt and unbelief is to the believer. It's just hanging out there to get you to go this way and this way, and you're doubting this and you're doubting that, but when God's giving you a promise. But see, if doubt and unbelief will ever take hold of the promise of God, there's nothing that the devil can do at that point to keep it from you. So you may have faith for somebody else, and some of us do. It's easy to believe for somebody else, right? 
Man, you could, it's easier. Yeah, you're exactly right. Man, you get on, the, on your knees, you begin to go to battle, and you begin to go to pray. There's not a doubt, in, a shadow of doubt in the world that that person is going to be delivered or set free or, or healed or whatever it may be. But we find if you're around negativity and you're around negative people and you had this own negative connotation to your own life, then what you find is doubt and unbelief will be, well, God can do it for them. But I'm not sure if God will do it for me. Not that he can do it, but that he will do it for me. We know that he can because he's, uh, he's already expressed it once or twice or three or four or many times before. But will God do it for me? So you need to surround yourself with people that will lift you up. Those that will encourage you. Those that will be praying for you. When you're in a great big battle and a great big trial, you don't need Job's friends. He don't need those, oh, yeah, you, you're a secret sinner, buddy. You done done this. Uh-huh, you just need to go on. Confession is good for the soul. Here's my shoulder. Go on and confess, cry, boo-hoo, and all that. No, you need to find somebody like a Caleb and a Joshua. We're well able to take the land. I know what you're going through. We're well able. God's already vindicated. If he can heal cancer, he can take care of your knee. If he can heal alopecia, he can take care of that situation. If he can bring a wayward son back, wake him up in the middle of the night and bring him to church in his pajamas, let me tell you, God can do it for your situation. God can do it for your prodigal. God's not stopped being God. He's just looking for somebody that'll grab hold of the horns of the altar and believe this morning. So notice now, your faith is what saves you. And I'm going to say something else. Your faith is what keeps you saved. Now, Romans 10 and verse 14. And then shall they call upon him who they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So we got to have preaching. As much as those that are trying to shut down the ministry, we got to have preaching. It's ordained of God. Because what does preaching do? It brings the faith of the people up that they can attain to the promise of God. And it also directs, God's able to take that ministry and direct thoughts and direct things to certain needs and minister to your need in your own personal way. And God can speak expressly to you. Now, I'm a proponent of push and play, but I do that in my car. I do that in my study. I do that when I'm at the gym. I do that when I'm on the treadmill. I push play a lot. I'm feeding on the word of God, but it's not a substitute for what you get right here. Anointed preaching coming down like a surgeon with the precision to be able to cut out. Allow your faith to rise up, to cut out situations and circumstances and things from our lives. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Otherwise, it's through the foolishness of preaching. It saves those that has faith in what is being preached. So God has ordained a prescribed method. And we find that it's your faith in that prescription that saves you. How shall they believe unless there be a preacher? 
I'm not saying that we need to put our faith in a man because we don't want to put our faith in any one man, but we put our faith in what that man is preaching. That it is for me. It is the word of God. I believe it. And so what good is faith? You may ask, Brother Joe, I made it this far without faith. No, you didn't. But what good is faith? With faith, you can be healed this morning. With faith, you can be delivered this morning. With faith, you can be set free this morning. With faith, you can overcome this morning. With faith, you can take a rapture this morning. But without faith, you're bound for hell. Or at best, a tribulation. So your faith is what saves you. Brother Bram said it like this. And it's your personal faith in the finished work at Calvary or of Christ at Calvary that brings both salvation and healing. He says now, he was a little earlier in this same uh, line of thought here in the message, can we see Jesus? He says, now, if a man can heal you, he can also save you because it's the same atonement. So nor is Brother Branham a divine healer because if he was a divine healer, then he would have to be a divine savior. And there's only one divine savior, which is Jesus Christ. Therefore, our faith doesn't rest in a man. It rests in him who made the sacrifice. But our faith rests in the work of redemption. Our faith rests in the preaching of the gospel. Our faith lays in that. He says, now. And then, your personal faith in that finished work draws the remuneration, remuneration from what he did at Calvary. So it draws from God. Your, your faith draws dividends from God's work. It brings the substance. It brings the reality to you, to your home, to your need, to your struggle, to your situation. Your faith, not somebody else's faith, your faith in the promise. Now, we look here in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. Am I going okay this morning? This is teaching now. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace are ye saved. Notice. Through faith. So it's your faith that saves you. So by grace are you saved through faith and not of your... I love how God said, you know what? God's like, I'm taking man completely out of the equation. You got nothing to do with this. It's by faith are you saved through... Or by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, not of the Hail Marys, not how many times you attended service, didn't attend service, showed up for this and walked a little lady across the street and packed somebody's groceries home. It's not all of that. It's not of works lest any man should boast about, oh, look what I've done for the kingdom. And I'm afraid to say there's a lot of men going around bragging about what they've done for the kingdom. Well, I did this and I did this and I did this. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because it ain't based on what you did for the kingdom. It's based on what he did for you to get you to the kingdom. So it is now. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we shall walk in them. So I want to capitalize here in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace are we saved and it's through faith. And notice, it's a gift of God. You didn't have to work at it. You didn't have to buy it. You didn't have to purchase it. It was God's love gift to you. God gifted you faith to believe. Now notice, it's what you do with that faith that's going to bring the blessing or not. Because you can be an atheist 
Because he's got the same amount of faith, if not more than some of us, to believe in what he believes. So it's based on how you direct the faith that God has given you. Do you believe his word? Do you believe his prophets? Do you believe the preaching? Do you believe the ministry? Do you believe what God's word says about you? Or are you, is your belief based in what the world says? And the negativity that surrounds the world and Satan's own Eden. And how he's scripted and built up this great big thing today. But we find... With faith, nothing shall be impossible to you. With faith, nothing shall be impossible to you. No situation is impossible as long as you have the purchase power. There's no sickness. There's no trial. There's no loss of a loved one. There's no complex that you will have that will supersede the faith and cause you not to attain the promise of God. Because with faith, all things are possible to him that will believe. Now, Brother Brown says, and at thy word, Lord, he says now, only by your confession can you be saved. See, that's the most powerful weapon that God put in the hand of a man. It's committal and a confession. It'll do it every time. Somebody say every time. So committal and confession, it'll do it every time. If you believe it, accept it on those bases and believe it and stay with it. Keep confessing it. When you confess, he says, you know, a lot of people, they look at the symptoms. They, they always go around and they, well, I wish I could feel better. And, you know, he goes, that doesn't have one thing to do with it. It's what you believe, not what you feel. Now, how many of you feel saved this morning? Well, a couple of you are cherubs. Some of you, how many of you don't feel saved this morning? There'd probably be more hands. I woke up, I didn't feel saved. I went home yesterday, I didn't feel saved. I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And a lot of times the devil just begins to, to beat at us, beat at us. He says, but it's not what you believe. It's not on how you feel. He says, now, he goes, if all of you here tonight, he said that, that are saved and you got in your head that you're not saved and you'll go around saying, well, I'm not saved anymore. He goes, you're not saved. Now, how simple is that? You go around right now, your confession is, you walk out of this church, bless God, I can't stand Brother Joe's preaching, I'm not saved, I don't feel like I got the Holy Ghost. He said, you're not saved. But if it can work that way, what about the positive way? What about you come out and say, oh, bless God, what a service we had. I'm saved, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm healed, I can believe for the promise of God. Ain't no devil can stand before me. I know who I am, and I know who I am. That's all that I care about this morning. I got faith this morning. I believe the word of God this morning. He says, there's not a Christian in here, no matter how solid you are in faith, if right now that you something happened to get a hold of you and tell you that you're not a Christian and you start out testifying, well, I'm not a Christian no more. He goes, you drop right then. Look how immediate the effect of negativity is. Right then, your testimony, your confession drops and you're not saved. He goes, you're no more Christian anymore. As soon as you testify that you're not a Christian, then you drop from grace right there. You're falling because why? Your own, your own speech tells what you are. Your own speech tells what you are. Now, I know there's some of us, there's times we don't feel like we're saved. There's times we, didn't, we don't feel like we're Christians. And the devil gets in your ear, he begins to whisper, well, you're not good enough, and you did this, and you did that. But as long as your confession is, I'm saved... I'm healed, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, Satan is defeated, then Satan is defeated. 
But, as long, but if you go around and convince, well, I'm not saved. You know, I tried to serve God, and I went to that church, and, you know, there's a bunch of do's and don'ts and regulations, and, you know, they try to legislate holiness, and, well, you know what, I just, it wasn't for me. Well, it's not going to be for you. If that's your confession, it's not for me. Well, it's not for you. If your confession is that you're not healed, then, you know, I guess it ain't in God's will. Come on, you're, we're not Baptists. I got a great friend of mine, he's a Baptist pastor, and he and I had a conversation about Sister Atlanta turkey hunting one morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning, sitting up in a little sagebrush. We're sitting there talking, and I was telling him about how God came down and healed Sister Atlanta and, and, and delivered her of cancer. And he goes, you really believe God healed her? I said, absolutely God healed her. He goes, well, how did you know? I said, it's in the word. God's purpose and God's plan is he's the Lord thy God that healeth thee. It is God's will to heal. Well, you know, the Baptist method, uh, method is, well, if it is God's will, then he will do it. Oh, I'm a, you can believe that if you want to. We're not Baptists here this morning. We're believers. I'm believing for healing. I'm believing for deliverance. I'm believing for a rapture. I'm believing for a body change. I'm believing for the supernatural. So if you confess this morning that the Holy Ghost is not for you, you will never receive the Holy Ghost. Doesn't matter. Notice now, it doesn't always have to be with your lips either. It could be with your actions. Your actions come in with the wowsy, wowsy woos, head all beat down, preaching's going forth. You'd rather sleep than get anything from God. Your actions are telling you, I'm not interested. I'm not convinced, therefore I'm not concerned. You expect to get something from the service like that? But if you come dragging in and you got a need, and no matter what you're fighting, you fight that sleepy spirit until God gets a hold of your heart because faith is resonating. You want something from God. You come with an expectation. God will meet that expectation every time you come. You beat that body into subjection. Say, you're going to go to church, old boy. You're going to listen up. This ain't no time to sleep. All we got to do is one more hour and we'll be out of here. You can make it one more hour. Sometimes you just got to talk dirty to yourself or mean to yourself. Not dirty, but you got you to be aggressive. Come on, I know you're tired. You was up to 1 o'clock last night, and you was up again at 6.30 trying to study, but I'm here. Oh, what did you do? You showed the devil what side of the fence you're on. Let me tell you, devil, I may be tired this morning. I may be weary this morning. I may be fighting a great fight, but I know I'm on the Lord's side. I'm here. I'm giving testimony. I'm letting my faith reign out. I'm a son of God. I'm a believer this morning. And ain't no devil, ain't no devil in hell can keep me from the promises. Glory to God this morning. Can't no devil keep you from the promise. Nothing will stand before your prayer. Nothing. No sickness. No situation. No trial. No devil. Nothing will stand before your prayer. Glory to God this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Now, Brother Bram says in the message, accept God's gift. 1953. He says, now, healing is not something that you just say, well, I believe it. I believe it. He said, now, that's all right. If that's the best you can do, just mentally say it. Well, I see. I believe it. I'll accept it. He goes, then, if you accept it, notice he says, if you accept it on those bases, he says, say it over and over and over and over and over until you finally believe it. Did you hear that? Say it over. I'm healed. 
But you got, your knees are killing you. I'm healed, but my knees. I'm healed, but my back. I'm healed. Say it over and over and over until you finally believe it. And then when you believe it, that's faith. Because it anchors. He said, don't let or don't have a negative testimony. Every time when you confess, well, I still feel bad today. I guess I'll go straight back. He goes, you go straight back in that same rut that you was in the beginning. That's not, he goes, there's not a man or woman in here that's been baptized with the Holy Ghost. Both you would start your confession. I believe I lost the Holy Ghost. I believe it's gone from me. He goes, you'll go right down. You'll never. He says, you'll go right down, right then. Right now. That's why we got to have a positive confession. You find people come in a prayer line or come up for prayer. And you hear them say, I want the assurance. Who doesn't want the assurance? But faith that he planted inside of you is what? Assurance. That's what faith means. He's given you the assurance. Well, brother Joe, I just need the assurance. Well, then say it over. Hand over. Hand over. You want the assurance of the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is mine. 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 It's for whosoever will. The Holy Ghost is mine. It's for you, for your loved ones, for those as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost is mine. You keep saying it. And over and over. You don't need some man to lay hands on you and tell you you got it. All you got to do is believe the word. It's assurance. Say it over and over. Say it over and over until you believe it. Till you believe it. Not believe that Brother Aaron laid hands on you and therefore you got it. You believe it. It's personal to you. You met God's requirements. And because you met his requirements, he sealed you or he's healed you or he's delivered you because you met the requirement. And look, wake up every day. I'm healed. I'm healed. It may be the worst day. Y'all need to, how many of y'all been watching Brother Ron? If you hadn't, you need to. This man's going to the pulpit, just throwing up his guts and feeling miserable. Sugar spiking and dropping, and he's all over the place. But when he stands behind that pulpit, I'm going to tell you, it's another man, God using him like never before. Because why? he ain't just confessing over and over, he has been an example to multitudes out there. This is how you fight the good fight of faith. This is how you believe. You don't believe one minute to only digress the next. You keep standing. You keep firm on the promise of God. God is my healer. God is my deliverer. I'm standing here as a testimony to you that God's going to deliver. God has delivered me of this cancer. Notice now. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And that word profession means acknowledge or confession. And then accept God's gift. He says, you'll never live above your confession. Some of y'all need to start confessing the right things. Write it on your refrigerator. Sticking in the mirror when you brush your teeth. You gotta start confessing the right things. Just moping around in the wowsy wowsy woos, always defeated, nobody cares, nobody loves you. Get that hogwash out of your mentality. Your sons and daughters of God, anointed, elected, called, chosen, placed for this hour. God didn't just give this to anybody, God placed it in your hands. This glorious message that we have today, it's not just for anybody. The prophet of God said for a special class of people. Woo! 
look at the special class of people here this morning. Come on, church. Let me tell you, I didn't make you what you are. Brother Tim didn't make you what you are. Brother Timothy, Brother Ron, Brother Aaron, no preacher made you what you are. But God, before the foundation of the world, he saw fit to put your name on that special section of the book of life. It's called the Lamb's book of life. It ain't no devil, ain't no sickness, ain't no torment spirit, ain't no pornography devil. Can't nothing erase your name off of it. Let me tell you, can't nothing stand before the believer's prayer. Not cancer, not sugar, not disease, or that disease. We're more than overcomers. Notice now, he says, you'll never live above your confession. See, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Now, some of us, you know, it's like a tree starts growing. If it ain't planted right, it starts leaning. Now, some of us, we lean by genetics. And I'm just preaching off the cuff. We lean by family strains. And we, we're growing. We're growing. We're becoming a mature tree. But we're growing crooked. We're leaning a little bit toward the negative side. And we're facing the positive. But we're leaning here. Just think if we could straighten ourselves up a little bit. Just that little bit of movement. For the promise of God. That little movement to believe. No, no matter what you ask for, you can have it. So we sign, he says here, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Am I still on? I didn't think I was. Where's the hand now? He says, you'll never live above your confession. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He says, now any scholar knows that the same word profession is confession. See, it's just translated. Now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, he's there ready to make intercessions upon what? Upon what you confess. See, Jesus is there at the right hand. He says, he can't do nothing for you until you first confess that he's done it. You want something from God? Then let the negativity leave your vocabulary. Let it leave your mouth. Let it leave your actions. Let me just say, I'm preaching from, I'm just preaching. This is real. You want something from God? Get out of the little wowsy wowsy woos and start believing on the promise. Start confessing what the word says about you. He says, now there was a man trying to seek God every, every time he said, now I'm saved. The devil said, no. No, you're not. How many has ever son had that happen? Okay, this is, remember, this is teaching service, class participation. There's a man trying to seek God, and every time he'd say, I'm saved, the devil would say, no, you're not. But one day, he drove down a stake. He said, Satan, from this on, he says, I'll point to this stake. This is the place where I met God's requirement right here. He says, you drive a stake down right beside your seat this afternoon saying, Satan right here is where every doubt's going to lay. I'm going to fly away with him this afternoon. I'm going to accept exactly what he told me that I could be and I'll believe it right now. But the many times the enemy wants to come in and sometimes he'll disguise himself as an angel of the light or he'll disguise himself as a roaring lion. But you got to stand fast on the word of God and believe what the word says about you. 
The devil will do everything he can to rob your soul of eternal life. That's his business. But your business is to drive a stake down this morning. Drive it down this morning. And tie yourself through faith this morning. Say, I don't be moved. I'm not backing off this promise. It's my promise this morning. It's my word this morning. It's my portion this morning. Satan, you can't have it. I'm driving a stake down this morning. He says, it's your business your business is to have faith in your heart and stand by as long as all heaven holds. When God saves you, drive down a stake to that spot. When God filled you with the Holy Ghost, you drive a stake down to that spot. God, he's here. He's healed you. He's filled you. You drive your stake down. I mean, somebody, some believer this morning needs to be driving a stake. Oh, I just wish I could hear, hear the hammer being, being pounded against that stake. Oh, Satan says you're not going to amount to nothing. Satan says you might as well give up. Satan says you can't do it. It's not for you. Drive the stake down this morning. Let the devil howl. Let him raise. Let him do what he wants to. We're going to stand on the word of God. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm filled. I got the Holy Ghost. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, we got a promise. God's going to raise a standard. What is he raising it with? He's raising it with the believer's faith to take God at his word. Notice now. I believe Brother Aaron's going to preach on this when he, when he comes in a couple of weeks. Well, I just kind of had to steal it last night cause, or this morning. Because, you know, with preachers, we plagiarize each other all the time. But I started looking at that, and he kind of gave me a little bit of thought. So I'm like, I'm going to have to run with it real quick. I get the first service, so here we go. But this drive down a stake into the ground, that's a Native American term. You didn't know that, did you? He just sounded real religious, didn't he? It sounded good. That's a religious term. We'll take it. But see, it's a, it's a Native American term. When they were under attack, it looked like they were going to be defeated. They would drive a stake in the ground and actually tie a person by the leg to it so that they had to stay there and defend that piece of ground, even if it meant death. Oh, what we need to do today is take a stand. No matter what it looks like, no matter how we feel, no matter what the people say, no matter what, we need to drive a stake in the ground this morning and say, no matter what, I'm going to defend this position. I'm going to defend the Holy Ghost. I'm going to defend the virtues of this man. I'm going to stand here. I'll tie my soul with the heaven of faith, and I'm going to believe that this is mine this morning. I'm going to fight this devil and that devil. I believe in that cancer is defeated. I believe in that sugar diabetes is defeated. I've tied myself. I drove down my stake. I believe the word this morning. Oh, devil, you got a fight on your hands this morning because we're driving down stakes. Drive down that stake this morning and tie your soul to it by faith. Oh, faith. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. It's not time to give in. I know you're facing hardships. This ain't time to quit. Drive a stake. Tie yourself to it. Draw your sword and be ready to fight. Even if it means death. Oh. Even. So this is not whatever will be, will be. That's how sometimes we want to think. But this is the time to drive that stake down and occupy until Jesus comes. See, keep... Keep taking ground. Keep advancing. Don't back up. Brother Aaron made a good point. He said when they drove a stake down, they came back. If they made advancements, they came back to that stake. They knew this is the furthest point. I can't go beyond this. Let me tell you, church, you may get backed up to that stake, but we ain't going back behind it. 
So whatever it is you driving down this morning, you drive down with the, with the mindset that I'm moving forward. But if I get defeated and I get backed up, I'm not going past my stake. I drove it in the ground. All I can say from this time forward, it's onward, Christian soldier, marching on to war. I'm not backing up. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to break. I'm moving forward. I'm changing the line. We're advancing to the army of the living God this morning. We can't be moved, church. Oh, we're held in the inexhaustible fountain of life. He's holding me in his hands this morning. Let's press the battle like we never pressed before. Drive your stake down. Keep confessing that you're healed. Keep confessing that you're bride. Drive that stake down. Just think for a minute. How advanced would we as a bride of Christ be if we gave as much attention to the promises of God as we do to the lies of the enemy. Where would we be if we would give much attention to the promises of God as we do to the lies, as we do to how we feel? Well, I don't feel good. Well, with these not. You want something on feelings? I got you a quote right here. I'm glad you asked. He says, now, you're not saved because you feel like you're saved. And the house of God said, amen. amen. Oh, I know. He says, I know I'm saved because I had a chill run through me and so forth. He goes, that's not why you're saved. Satan can whoop you or whip you around the stump everywhere. And he can too upon your feelings. That's right. But when you walk back and say, thus saith the Lord, my faith is built on the word of God. He can't whip that away. Notice, he can whip you around the stump on your feelings. He can whip you around the stump on your imaginations. He can whip you around the stump on all these ideas, memory, conscious, affection, reasoning. He can whip you around the stump on that. But he can't whip you around the stump on thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, thus saith the Lord this morning. You are the sons and daughters of God. And ain't no devil can back you from that. Theories may change, but it doesn't change God. God's the unchangeable God. His word is eternally true. And your faith is to rest solely on the word of God. Not what man says about it, but what God says about it. And how does God bring it to pass? God brings it to pass by interpreting it through manifestation. That's how you know it's thus saith the Lord. Not because I tell you, but if the Holy Spirit comes behind it and amens it and bring the manifestation. He says, now I'm saved because the word of God tells me I'm saved. Satan can whip you around anywhere on how you feel. He goes, but I believe it because God said so. And I accept it upon the basis of his word. That's how I was saved. I believed it. I confessed it. And then it works the results. I believed it. Then I confessed it. And then it works the results. Or then it manifests what is being preached or what is being believed. He said, but the first thing, I'm saved because God's word teaches that I'm saved. That's how you're saved if you're saved. Satan can whip you on your ideas and things, but he can't go around the word of God. Jesus said, it is written, and that settled it with all. It is written in the scriptures. Some of you need to remind the devil what the word says about you. He's always trying to put thoughts in your head, put these lies in your head, whispering these things in your ear. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. You're going to die of an early age. You're going to do this, that, and the other. You know, you're never going to get the Holy Ghost. It ain't for you. This message ain't for you. That's all lies. It's all lies. See, I'm not saved today because I can shout. And some of you are laying, praise God. 
because I don't shout. If it was head nodding, some of you, or most of all of us, would be saved this morning. Yeah, oh my, I was right. He said, we're not saved because we can shout. I'm not saved. I'm saved not because I, I feel like I'm saved. I'm saved because I've met God's conditions of the Bible. He that heareth my words and believeth, or otherwise, has faith on him that sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I believe that. That's right. And on them conditions, I'm saved because God said so. Now, let me just say this. There's not one faith that saves you and another faith that heals you. There's not one faith that heals you and another faith that delivers you. There's not one faith that delivers you that is another faith for miracles. There's no degrees of faith. Well, it's all one faith. One Lord. One baptism. One. Your faith is anchored in the work of that was done at Calvary. And because of that work, it is finished. Everything you had need of in this journey is already finished. Now, how do we apply faith, Brother Joe, as we start bringing this down to a close? I didn't say I was closing. I'm just kind of descending. Like an airplane, you know, you start, you start slowing down. We're going to slow down a minute. We don't want to hit the runway at 100 miles an hour. Don't want to crash. So how do we apply faith? You know, in the Old Testament, there at the Passover, Moses was given a commandment or given a commission or given some words, and he had to tell the people, I want you to go out there and get you some hyssop. Now, hyssop wasn't some educated flower that only the botanists know about. They'd done all the study, and they knew every intricate detail of the hyssop. No, you know, hyssop was trampled on every day. It was walked by every day. You just looked at it. That's just hyssop. I wish it had quit growing in my front yard. I'm sick of this mess. I had to mow, 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 mow. It's kind of like Bahia in Louisiana. But he said, go get some hyssop and dip it in the blood and apply it. Apply it to the lentils, apply it to the doorpost. And Brother Bam says, he goes, but for miracles and for healing, he goes, is it some different type of faith? He says, no, it's the same faith. There's only one faith in all things. All things are that. They're, they're original. But how do we do it? He says, hyssop was always used to sprinkle the blood. And faith is always used today to apply the word. Faith is always used to apply the word. In the days of the Passover, Moses commanded him to take up hyssop and dip it in the blood and splash it upon the doorposts and on the lentils and on the plying of the blood. See, hyssop was just some common weed. Not, he says these great big waters of separation represents common faith. The believer coming must not be some supernatural. Now get this. This is an amen for everybody here. Not some supernatural, some kind of fellow with a high education until he knows more than what Webster does. He doesn't have to be some great theologian. He just has to use common faith. Hyssop. Pick it up anywhere. I don't know why y'all should have been amening. Well, I'm not looking at a bunch of theologians out here this morning. We're just common people with common faith. Simple, oh, Louisiana faith to believe. He says, now, hyssop is just a common weed. I never wanted to be more common than I am today because God is using the common things of this world. To do the supernatural with. He took a common weed. And he did a supernatural display. When that death angel came over. 
and the heat swept down and you heard the screams going up and this going up and this one dying and that one dying is because somebody had enough faith in something that was so common and took God at his word and applied it to their life. I'm telling you, God is looking for some man and woman today that will take that common old faith. How'd you get here this morning? Nobody rode a horse. No, you got in the car this morning, didn't you? Some of you got in the car and you turned the key on. You didn't think about it. It was just common. This is just what we do. And Brother Brown said, it's that same faith that you apply to the word of God for your circumstance, for your situation. You don't think about it. It's just common everyday faith. You don't have to have some super duper faith to believe the word, to get the word to work on your behalf. You just got to believe just like you did this morning when you got out there and you put the key in the commission or the initial, or you just pushed a little button and the thing fired up and you stuck it in reverse and you backed out and you're sitting here this morning. It's the same kind of faith to move God to your situation. You just got to believe. Lord, I know when I walk out, I've done made the preparations. I done got my church clothes on. I got my dancing shoes on. I'm ready to go to the house of God. I'm going out in a car. I'm going to put the keys in the ignition. And God, I'm not even going to think about it. I know it's going to start. And I'm going to drive down to church. And we're going to have a good service on Sunday morning. And that's what it takes, church. You want something from God? Just get yourself dressed right. Come with the right expectation. And be prepared to watch God move. Be prepared to see a miracle. Be prepared to see God back up, up his word. Be prepared this morning. You want to see God? God is here. God is moving. God is witnessing. God has testified that he is a living God. He says you don't have to have some super duper faith. Some super duper something. It just takes common faith in God. Just believe it like you would if your mother would, would have said just get something for you. Your mother said she was going to get something for you. You know how it is, a little kid. Take you going to Disney World. Man, you're going to hold on to Disney World till you're 30 years old. Mama's taking me. We're going to Disney World. Man, 30 years old, it's about time to give up. No. Mama said it. He said, that's the kind of faith you got to have toward God. Mama said it. Brother Brown said, may every sick person in divine presence this morning, may you reach over just now and jerk a handful. Jerk you a handful of hyssop out of their own life and apply it to your life. That's what you need to do. You've been jerking on doubts. You've been jerking on unbelief so long, you don't know how to apply. I'm here to tell you, grab a handful of that common faith this morning. Allow the word of God to elevate your faith. Reach over there and just grab it. I'm applying this to my family. I'm applying this to my marriage. I'm applying this to my home. I'm applying this to my children. I'm applying it to my body. I'm applying it to my job. I'm applying it to my church. Oh, bless God, I'm going to apply it to this morning. I'm jerking a handful this morning. It may be Mother's Day, but what greater day than to grab a handful of faith and say, yes, we're going to have godly minds because why? This message Produces godly women and godly men. Those that are believed, thus saith the Lord. Now God will heal you on the merits of your faith and that alone. That's how he heals. He says, don't forget this. Now faith is designed to see what God's will and wants. There is no knowledge that can do that. Faith alone is designed to give the human race to find out what God's will is. Now, he said, this is where many people fail to get their healing what they're asking for because they take faith as something that it's not. He says, now, see, it's just as real as your sense of your body would declare anything. It's just as real as my eye says 
that this is a piece of paper right here. It's just as real. It's just as real as you say that that is a lie. It's just as real as you say I feel my coat. It's just as real as you hear a baby talking in the back, making noise. See, it's just as real as I taste something in my mouth. It's that real, only you can't show it to anybody. You have it alone. It's yours. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, it's not a myth. It's something that you possess. Not an imagination. It's a substance. Not an imagination, not an emotion, but something that you have. It comes to you by hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the word. And that puts it back to where your faith then is not in some individual. It's not in a man. It's not in an organization. It's not in a group of people. It's in God because God is the word and your faith is in God. He says, no, you find people, they do something, and you say, well, I can do that too. And he says, you find out they get wrecked up because they do it based on imagination. Well, if God did that for him, God will do that for me. No, it's got to be a revelation. It's got to be faith. And we find the Bible would tell us that Jesus, when he was here, he had perfect faith. Perfect faith in what the word declared about him. And what he was in the groom, we are in the bride form. So shouldn't we also exemplify perfect faith in what he had made us? What his word has made us. I didn't make you. You didn't make you. You didn't make me what we are today. He made us what we are. He says by his faith in his word. He conquers. He conquers anything. Both death, hell, the grave. We know that God is God. That perfect faith is God's perfect word. He conquered everything that he come in contact with. Death could not even stand in his presence. Sickness could not stand in his presence. Flowing from him was like rivers of virtue going out constantly. Virtue going forth in his, uh, from his garment. He said this. He goes, there he was walking, walking in a world with perfect faith because he was the word. And he says, now if you abide in me through him... He brought the word to you and my word abide in you. Then walk in the same kind of way. Virtues flowing from you. The rivers of God, the fountains, blessings just flowing out of the people. See what I mean? And you're not bluffing it. You're not imagining it. You actually are taking place and you see it. If you're just an imagining, he says, don't do any good. But if it's really there, it's really happened. So we realize that perfect faith masters all circumstances. And perfect faith and a perfect word and a perfect God, there ain't a devil can stand before his people. Now the Bible tells us that we start, start our descend. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He that cometh, he that worships God. Must believe in an infinite, eternal, unoriginated, self-existent, the cause of all things, of whom everything depends, and who, by whose energy and bounty and providence all other things exist, live and are supplied with the means, can, and needs the continuance of, and the existence of life. We must believe that he is the all in all. We can't substitute him for man. We can't substitute him for our favorite preacher. We can't substitute him for our favorite doctrine. We got to believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek God and that's why we're here this morning and he would also tell us in the Bible he says now the prayer of faith shall save the sick the prayer of faith this is in James 5 and verse 15 and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he have committed sins they shall be forgiven him 
confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word effectual there means put into operation. It means active. It means mighty. Otherwise, we can say it like this. This is not some dead prayer. This is not somebody just going through the motions. This is a man or a woman who really believes and they put their prayer in operation and it's active and it's mighty and they're expecting to see supernatural results. So that word availeth there means to power as shown by extraordinary deeds, to have strength to overcome. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It means it does extraordinary deeds. Prayer by faith does extraordinary deeds. Prayer of a little sister 15 minutes later saw her prayer manifest when her brother comes staggering in on a Wednesday night and he hadn't been the same since. Prayer. An effectual fervent prayer. I want my brother saved. Availed much. And that word means to prevail in power, to do extraordinary deeds, power to see miracles, power to see supernatural healing, power to believe for lost loved ones, power to overcome and not be overcome. Daniel 11, verse, or Daniel 11, yes, verse 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt with flatteries. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that know their God. Now, this word know here, as I looked this up, how about how to run away? I know you think, well, my goodness, Brother Joe, it's only four letters and it's real simple. I mean, no, we know what no means, right? But the word know here means to have knowledge. It's to know. It's to be acquainted with. And it also means to be made known. So the people that know their God, the people that acknowledge and are acquainted with their God, but not only that, the people that are known by their God, those people, those kind of people, those are the ones that's going to do exploits, those that know their God. So it's one thing to know God. It's another thing to be known of God. Because when you know who you are and you know who's you are, you know where you're standing, then you know no matter what prayer you pray, ain't a devil in hell can back you up. Because why? You know your God. And not only that, God knows you and God hears you and God is ready to move on your behalf. I say, Satan, you better back up, old boy. I'm talking to believers this morning. I'm looking at sons and daughters of God that know their God and are known by their God. And we're here today to stand and drive a stake down. We're believers and we're believing this morning. We're not backing up off the word. We're going forward, church. Oh, I'm here to tell you, there ain't enough devils in hell can back that believer up this morning. You know heart trouble can't stop you. Diabetes can't stop you. Cancer can't stop you. Failed relationships and disappointments won't stop you. Depression can't stop you. Fear can't stop you. Complexes won't stop you. Hell don't have enough this morning. Can't nothing stop a believer that knows their God, that has faith in their God. We are the people. We are the people that know God. We are the people that God knows. Oh my. 
Oh my. We are the people that he knows. We're not prodding. We're not guessing. We're not presuming. God knows us and we know him. Back up, devil. Notice now. 1 John 5 and verse 14. Musicians, make your way back. I got six minutes to go. I'm about to jump out. 1 John 5 and verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, so whatsoever we ask, and we know that we have our petitions that we desired of Him. So whatsoever things. A lot of times we want to bring our small problems. We want to bring the little things to God. As if God can't do the big things. I mean, if He's God, can't He do it all? I'll tell you, if He's God, I'll bring bringing loved ones. I'll be bringing situations. I'll be bringing hurts. I'll be bringing pains. I'll be bringing complexes. I'll bring it all to him because he's God. I'm not just going to bring my toothache to God. I'm bringing it my knees to God. I'm bringing my family to God. I'm bringing my children to God. And Brother Bam says, now where I think Pentecost failed, he said he wants us to ask and believe that our joys may be full. This is what God wants of you. He wants us to ask and to believe that our joys may be full. He wants you to ask abundantly. You know, you may call somebody too much, annoy the fool out of them. And y'all all laugh because y'all probably do it. You know, you text them all the time. or It's like you can't do nothing without posting on Facebook or something. And it annoys some people. They're like, why don't we start to just get a hold of yourself? But you can never ask God too much. He said, ask abundantly. Over and 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 over. I'm just going to change my title to and over and over. But keep asking. Ask abundantly. What if Brother Andrew and Sister Candace would have gave up on the promise? How many years, Brother Andrew? Six, seven years waiting on the child. Kept knocking. Kept believing. Kept asking over and over and over. And little Abigail is somewhere around here, probably in the nursery crying right now. Yeah, amen, I'm here. Because they refuse to give up. They believe that nothing will stand before their prayer. Not even a dead womb. Satan, you don't have enough to stop a baby from coming. You don't have enough this morning. It don't matter. You can't stop what God has promised. I said you can't stop what God has promised. And God has promised a bride. God has promised a bride. And I'm looking at her this morning. Ask abundantly that your joys may be full. You need healing. He's here. You need deliverance. He's here. Whatever your need is, he's here. Take it away, Brother Mike. Let your faith loose this morning, church. Let it loose this morning for your family. Let your faith trust God this morning. You need healing. Nothing can stand before your prayer. There's not a devil in hell. There's not a circumstance. There's not a family trait. There's not a strain can keep you. It can't keep 
keep you from being what God's promised. Nothing can stand before your prayer. I say praise God. believer's prayer not even cancer father we thank you this morning how we love you lord how we appreciate you god oh father what a glorious message you've given us god a message that take our minds our thoughts off our problems lord we can put our our heart our faith our thoughts on the promises this morning whatever we have need of lord we're looking to jesus this morning we're looking to you, Lord. Whether it be cancer, Sister Ruth Wilson, here, Lord, stricken with cancer. We've seen your hand move. We've seen you bring deliverance. We're asking for it this morning. We adjure you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Take your hand off of God's property. If you can't hold her, you're defeated. We know who we are. We know our God, and we're known of our God. Now, cancer, you can't stay. Arthritis, you can't stay. Heart trouble, you can't stay. High blood pressure, you got to leave. Whatever it is that try to defy the armies of the living God, I assure you right now this morning, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off of God's property. And may we be filled and healed with the power of a living God. Father, manifest yourself right now. May the word dwell in their heart, Father. May it speak expressly right now, Lord God. May they reach up to worship and begin to praise God. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that my word, my faith is being received up in the eternities. And ain't no devil in hell can stop it, Lord. You couldn't stop a dead baby or a baby from coming, Satan. You can't stop the promises of God. What God has put in his mind, what God has purpose in his thoughts, it's being made manifest right here this morning. Sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. And nothing will stand before our prayer. Nothing. God bless you. Just
Thank you. 